All right. Well, I get New Year's jokes and funny things, and sometimes there's a lot of truth to them, and so I wanted to share a few of them with you. In case you haven't laughed very much this year, um, let me go ahead and give you a few things that I can only talk about at New Year's, and so um, a few of these that we'll go ahead and do before we jump into our time in God's Word today. Um, This great quote that I read, it's not really funny, it's just very, very true. If you make a New Year's resolution to eat a healthy diet and you keep it, you won't actually live longer, but it will seem like you live longer, somebody said recently. Uh, this was a great, great little story here. Uh, Gina was taking an afternoon nap on New Year's Eve before the festivities. After she woke up, she convinced Max, her husband, I just dreamed that you gave me a diamond ring for a New Year's present. What do you think it means? Aha, you'll know tonight, answered Max, smiling broadly. At midnight, as the new year was chiming in, Max approached Gina with a small package in his hand. Delighted as she opened it, she read the, the title to a book entitled, The Meaning of Dreams. Like that. Uh, some, how, how many watched the ball drop last night? Anybody watch the ball drop last night? Okay, quite a few. That's amazing. I love when they drop the ball in Times Square, somebody wrote recently. It's a nice reminder of what I did all year long, they said. And then uh, this was a great one here. Uh, A New Year prayer for the elderly, somebody wrote. God grant me, you got to pay attention to this. God grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway, the good fortune to run into the ones that I do, and the eyesight to tell the difference. I thought that (laughs) was great. Very, very timely. Well, it's good for us to laugh, and I hope that you are going to have a lot of smiles a lot of joy in the upcoming year. I trust that if you're not planning for that, that God will bring that your way, even if you weren't working hard hard for that. Before we jump into our text today, let me go ahead and ask for God's help and wisdom. Would you bow with me in prayer? Loving, patient, all-knowing, all-wise, Heavenly Father, we praise you that you knew from eternity past that this day would come, a fresh start to this year for us in the year of our Lord, 2017. We praise you for it. We praise you for giving us your wonderful word that it gives us a wonderful way to know you better, to walk in this world um, having joy and peace and long-suffering and to have strength in dark times. And we would ask that as we open your word today and as we are challenged, that you would open our hearts, allow individuals to be alert. I know that might be a challenge for some, as a lot of folks stayed up late last night, but would you uh, just do something to quicken our minds right now? Give us words, or give me words to speak, and give the people ears that they might hear the words. I would pray for the clear involvement of the Holy Spirit during this time. We do praise you that we do not have to be alone while we go through this time of study, but that you have promised to and will be here with us. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. One more cute little story to start us off. I heard a uh, great story about a rich, very wealthy West Texas rancher. And this Texas rancher decided to have a coming out party for his daughter, his only daughter that he loved very much. And as I go through this story, which I believe is probably not true, I have to think that he had in his mind like the old Robin Hood days where there'd be a competition of men coming together and they'd earn the hand of 
his daughter. That might have been what he had in mind. So he threw a huge party, had young fellows coming from hundreds of miles around for this party, and they had a wonderful, amazing night. And about 10 o'clock that night, he pulled everybody down to the Olympic-sized swimming pool that he had. And as he pulled them all down there, they were able to notice that he had filled that swimming pool with a bunch of alligators. They couldn't get out of the pool, but they could see them very clearly in their eyesight when they got around it. And then as he talked to those men, he said, Men, you know, I've called you here for a specific reason, and I'll tell you what I want to do, is I want to give one of you 5,000 acres of my best prize land down here in this Texas area. Or else I will give you a choice of having a million dollars. Or else I will give you the choice of having the hand of my young daughter in marriage. And I don't have to tell you that she's our only heir. Whoever gets to marry her gets to inherit all of this. And he was wondering how this competition would go. Well, no sooner were the words out of his mouth that he heard a splash in the other end of the swimming pool. That was quickly followed by somebody that seemed like they were setting a record for swimming across that Olympic-sized swimming pool. And so he walked over there, and he met the man as he got out of the water, and he shook his hand, and he was excited to talk to this man who had something special about him. He had bravery, and he had strength. Maybe he had character, too. And so he shook the man's hand, and he said, Young man, can I ask you? That was a great job that you did. Do you want 5,000 acres of my best land? And the young man said, No, I don't. And he said, Well, then, can I ask you, do you want the million dollars? And the young said, Man, no, I don't. And he said, well, I've got to assume then, young man, that you want the hand of my daughter in marriage. Is that right? And the young man said, no, sir, that's not what I want at all. And he said, well, I've got to be, I, I'm confused. I can't figure out what's going on here. Tell me, what in the world do you want? What made you swim across that pool so fast and jump in in the first place? And he said, what I want is the name of that dude that pushed me in the swimming pool. <laughs> you know, as you put that picture in your head and you imagine this guy swimming across the pool. He was motivated by something, wasn't he? It wasn't a million dollars and it wasn't the land and it wasn't even the hand of this wealthy man's daughter. He was motivated by some danger that was right behind him. Something that would have caught him if he didn't give everything to what he was doing. I want to talk to you today about motivation. I want to encourage you today to be motivated with the year that is before us. And as we look at God's word, I want to encourage you today about to keep your faith in God to help motivate you for the upcoming challenges. Now, there is a positive message in that, but there's also something negative. Why are we talking about challenges? Why do I want to talk about being motivated this morning? Well, here's why. Today's January 1st. 2017 and some of you already know the challenges that you are going to be facing in the weeks and the months that are ahead of you and so I want to take some time today to challenge us and remind you that God's word tells you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ that you can be an overcomer when it comes to those challenges that you're going to face Let's go ahead and look. I want to give you a few of these. I'll, I'll touch on them right now, and if you're taking notes, you might want to take these down. And then I'll come back to them at the end of our time today. But I want to highlight some possible areas that might be viewed as a challenge for you. 
Maybe you would look at some of these and you would say, my goodness, I know that's going to be something that I would love to do or have as a part of my life, but I'm not sure if I'll be able to do that. Let me go ahead and mention just a few of these. Number one, some, uh, uh, some, for some of you, you might want to take on this challenge, but you know it's going to be hard, of getting to know God's Word well. As we were meeting in the past few months with our leadership here at Calvary, um, I posed a very specific question because we're always wanting to grow in God's Word, and we were talking about the health of our church family talking about the health of those that attend and those that are members here at Calvary. We were contemplating a new ministry, possibly adding something to what we do. We were talking about existing ministries. But the question that was asked in that meeting was, what is our plan for cultivating personal Bible knowledge for our people? And we talked around about a few things. And when we came to the end of that, the conclusion that we said that we wanted to encourage strongly at that point was this. We need to do our best to encourage everybody that is a part of Calvary to have personal Bible reading and Bible study as a dominant part of their life. Imagine that. Imagine the resources that we have available to us. Building, the funds, the teachers, all the things that we can do. And the conclusion there was what we need to do is push in a strong way for our people to have a personal habit, a personal um, time of studying and reading God's Word. Let me go ahead and give you another one that might be something that you'll want to take on this coming year, but maybe you're a little bit gun-shy to take this one on. Stirring up someone else to be dedicated to a higher purpose in their life. Now this falls right underneath one of our main objectives. Our main objectives here at Calvary, which comes right from God's word, are worship, instruction, fellowship, and expression of God's love. That one fellowship doesn't just mean that we get together every once in a while. It doesn't just mean that we know a few people. But it actually means that we are to stir one another up to love and to do good works. And let me go ahead and just camp here just for a second and ask this question. Aren't you glad for someone in your past that took an interest in you and that stirred you up to do something bigger than yourself? I hope you have somebody like that. I hope that you have someone who stretched themselves and stretched you, maybe asked the difficult questions at one time or another. You know, this could be one of the most fulfilling years of your life if you will use your, don't miss this, if you will use your creativity and your area of influence to provoke a brother or a sister in Christ to be used by God in a way that will last for all eternity. There aren't that many things that we can do that will last for all eternity. But I want to suggest to you that you might be surrounded by someone who can make an impact that will last for all eternity. You can too. You can produce spiritual fruit, but keep your eyes open for someone who you might encourage. This might be something that seems like a very um, high mountain to climb. Another area that I'd like for you to consider, something that I'd like for some of you to get a real handle on this year, is achieving victory over a sin that seems to have consistently held you in bondage. To get victory over some kind of a sin now, when we get to these kind of topics, they get a little bit sensitive. They do. 
And I can go into some specifics if we want and give some Bible verses, but the truth of this is, is you know your particular weaknesses. You know where you are vulnerable. You know where the devil possibly has a foothold in your life. You know some of the, the temptations you're going to face. In fact, I would suggest that it's very likely some of you as followers of Jesus Christ have said, maybe in the upcoming year 2017, I'm not going to and fill in the blank. Or maybe it's a sin of omission. In 2017, I'm going to, and fill in the, you fill in the blank. But you know your weaknesses, and honestly, I think the devil loves to repeat back to us how many times we've failed. I think he's keeping track. I think the devil loves to see when we fail, and he loves to bring that up just to stop it right off the bat. You need to be listening for something within yourself. And I know that we oftentimes will struggle with the old man, with the old nature, and it will tempt us or pull us to do something. But you need to know the difference between that old man and the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is directing you in some specific way, don't allow the devil to squelch that. One of the most encouraging chapters when, when it comes to this area of getting victory is Romans chapter 6, where the Bible reassures us that we are no longer slaves to sin. We just sang, my chains are gone, I've been set free. And you will develop your skills in spiritual warfare as you pray for God to help you and do your part in this one. And then one more challenge that might seem like a huge mountain for some of you, and that is this fourth one right here. And that is to expand your walk with Jesus into a deeper commitment to his church. I do not apologize for saying this. It oftentimes I'll use the word shop talk because, uh, you know, when people have uh, vested interest or even when a news organization is reporting something about their own um, company or station, they'll say that. I don't make an apology for this because I am wholeheartedly a believer in God's plan for his church. I couldn't be more into it. And some of you would say, well, sure, you, you get a paycheck from the church. And so, of course, you're into it for that reason. Not at all. If I was not a minister and working at a church, I would be wholeheartedly involved in this because God has said it and I have seen him do it again and again. And some of you would say, yeah, but I've seen it kind of fall apart. I've seen it fail. Some of you know some people who have said, I'll never step my foot into the door of a church again because of something that happened in that place. And I want to encourage you to be a believer in God's plan of the local church. And I think that if some of you will be honest, and I'm gonna, I think this is fair to say this here, if some of you will be honest, you'll admit that your love for Jesus Christ, maybe even your love and commitment to God's word has grown incredibly in the past year or the past few years. But deep down, you recognize that you probably could do a little more. You recognize that you could do something more for Jesus' bride, for his local church. Well, all of that to take us to our text. Would you turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 14, please? A couple places we're going to be. Joshua 14, and mark your place there. Joshua 14, mark your place there, maybe with your bulletin or with a marker in your Bible. Turn to Joshua 14. Once you find that, mark it and turn over to Numbers chapter 14. Turn to Joshua 14, mark that, and then turn over to Numbers chapter 14. 
And as you are turning there, I will go ahead and throw this theme up as we jump into this incredible and very telling story about God's people. How you view God is going to affect how you view your life. Let me say that again. How you view God is going to affect how you view the upcoming weeks, the upcoming months. The things that very possibly God is putting a desire within you to do. How you view God is going to determine how you do on those things that I think the Holy Spirit might be directing some of you to. Let me give you a little bit of background to Numbers chapter 13 here. The children of Israel are on the verge of entering the promised land. They are right there. God has delivered them out of slavery. They are following God's leading, and now they've come to the promised land, and so they choose to send some spies in to go and to look out the land. We'll pick it up in verse number 25 of Numbers 13, where the Bible says this, At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought word to them, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told them, we came to the land to which you sent us and it flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit. Now they they brought some back and the Bible tells us that it took two men to carry this fruit. Imagine that. You wouldn't have some grapes for a snack. You'd just have part of a grape for a snack, very possibly, right? An incredible, incredible land. It's like God had said. Don't miss that. Like God had promised. It was exactly like that. And they show them all of this. And they talk about this land flowing with milk and honey. Look at verse 28. However, this first group says, the people who dwell in the land are strong And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. And so this was the majority report that we find here. And it's interesting that we have two different groups And they give two different reports. That was the majority report. Now look at verse number 30 for the minority report. But Caleb quieted the people. Now what does that tell you? That he had to quiet them. That tells you that this first report by these spies had an impact. There was rumbling and grumbling, maybe wailing that was going on. And so Caleb quieted the people, verse 30, before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. And then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours our inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are great in height. And there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. And so here we find two different groups that give two very different reports. 
the majority report, this group of these 10 spies, they come and they could not, don't miss this, they could not see God's faithfulness. They could not see God's clear promise to them. They could not see God's hand of power that had just come. You remember where they had just come from? God divided that sea and they walked across on dry ground. Everybody knows that story that's been around the Bible or church. And they forgot all about that. Instead, all they could see was problems. All that they could see were the obstacles that were before them. But the other group... Now, they didn't check their brains at the the door, the other group. They weren't naive. They saw the fortified cities. They saw the giants that were there. And what was their counsel? What did they say? Let's go attack the land. Not only that, they said, let's go now and attack the land. Why could these two faithful men, Joshua and Caleb, why could they say that? Because they could not only quote the wonderful words, if God is for us, who could be against us, but they believed it so much that they were willing to bet the lives of their families and their children and their loved ones and everybody. Not only did they say, we have great faith, they were willing to risk all to demonstrate that faith. Let us go up and take the land. It was all how they viewed things. In the 1800s, Western Union, very well known for their telegrams, they were approached with a product to see if they had an interest in investing in it and selling in it. It was something called the telephone. Most of you have heard of that. And Western Union examined the telephone as something that they might invest in. And the conclusion that they came to was this, and I quote, The telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device has no value to us. Talk about a missed opportunity. IBM chairman Thomas Watson was considering how they might expand the computer business several years ago. And as they were talking about how to expand it, and they were going over and getting counsel from different people, the famous quote that came from that time was when someone said this, there's only a world market for maybe five computers. That's it. That was all. But IBM had different plans. You know, some houses have five computers, don't they? If you count those little devices that we carry around or tap on every once in a while. What a missed opportunity. What's the point? It matters. Listen, it matters how you view things. How you and I look upon the upcoming weeks and the upcoming months matters very much because sometimes people will look at something and they will say, my goodness, that is, that is an obstacle that seems too big to overcome. And do you know somebody else that will come across a similar situation and will say, my goodness, what an opportunity for God to reveal himself here. That's who I want to be around. I want to be around the one who will say, I have no idea how this is going to work. I have no clue what's going to happen because I can't even see a good ending to this but for the individual who will say, what a wonderful chance for God to show himself. It matters how you look at things. When you come across a mountain, 
even these four things that I have suggested with you that are wonderful things that are, part, that are parts of the pieces to help God's church and God's people increase and move on. We want to be faithful and we want to serve him and see wonderful things happen. And as we look at what God is doing, what do you see? Do you see a big obstacle or do you see a big God? It's common around here that when we face a challenge, and I'm talking to someone, I've said this to several of you here, where I'll say, well, if it was easy, anybody could do it. I'm not sure if that's an encouragement or not to people. They're kind of like, man, maybe I'm putting salt in a wound. Hopefully not. But the idea is, is we need to step up to the challenge because we are not alone when we go through that. Now, I gave a couple of familiar illustrations about the telephone and about computers. And those stories are wonderful reflections of men who had foresight, of guys who had vision, and also about naysayers. We need to stay away from the naysayers. Those are great stories about that. And we can learn from that, but let me encourage you with something. There is something that you have that is even better than the vision and purpose that those individuals that would expand on the telephone and expand on computers has. What you have going for you as you face some kind of obstacle where everyone will say it can't be done is you have the involvement of the Spirit of God. God working. Jesus Christ left this world and he said, it is good for me to leave you to his followers because something better is coming. And sometimes that makes us scratch our heads. What could be better than Jesus Christ there and you can touch him and hold him? What is better is the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling within every believer. Everyone who follows Jesus Christ, that's what you have going for you when you face an obstacle. And I promise you, You'll face obstacles, but you're not alone. We're with God. And to walk with this understanding and with this kind of faith is such a sweet place to be. Just in the past couple days, I went, I had plans, and I was actually scheduled to preach at the county jail here. And as I had that as part of my schedule and had done everything, rearranged my calendar all around that and was planning on going and preaching to these uh, fellows who love to hear preaching and love sing, love to sing at the county jail. Something came up. There was an emergency. I mean, literally within an hour of when I was supposed to speak, I got called away to do something else, and I've got no idea what God is doing. I don't know why that would happen, and, and I felt bad, and I had to call the chaplain there at the jail and say, I- I'm sorry, I, I can't make it. And as I went through the next hour, hour and a half, I was able to get away, I thought, before that preaching appointment time. And so I drove over to the county jail and I went up there and I'm walking up thinking, you know what, God's involved here. I don't know what's going on, but God knows what's going on. He's involved with this. So I'm walking with a pep in my step, thinking God's doing something here. And they usually sing for a little while before the preaching time there in the jail. And so I walk up and I ring the buzzer and they ask what I want. And um, long story short, they let me in. I get in past all those locked doors and get into the room. And he says, oh, you're just barely too late. And I said, it's okay, it's okay. God's, God's got this. I didn't say that out loud, but I knew it. God's got this. You're too late. I walk down there fully expecting that God worked it all out and they're showing the opening credits to a movie. God's not dead was what they were showing. And so they went down there on a Friday night and I walked in and they hadn't started the movie really yet. They weren't past the opening credits. And I go in and talk to the chaplain and... He said, well, he knew I prepared something. 
And he already started the movie. And he looked at me and looked at them and stuff. And he already started a movie, you know, in the little uh, church room that we had. So he said, I think we're going to let the movie play. I said, that's fine. I trusted his judgment. You know why? Because I trust that God knows what he's doing. I trust that even though I even had a plan B going through all this, that God knew exactly what was going on. And so they watched that movie. I talked with the gentleman for a few more minutes and then went ahead and left the jail. Yesterday, I got a phone call from the chaplain. And here's what he told me. He said, hey, I wanted to call you and and talk to you and let you know after that movie, we talked just for a short time about it and one of those inmates accepted Christ as his savior as a result of the movie. Let me tell you where the place you need to be is. The place you need to be is that God is in control of all of these things and that he can iron out these wrinkles and that he can add wrinkles to slow you down He can open doors. He can close doors. God does all of these things. So you do your part. You do your best. And then you walk with the confidence that everything that you do is going to be wonderfully blessed by our God. That's what you have, the involvement of God. If you want a takeaway, I went ahead and put it down into a sentence for you. Keeping your faith in God and your eyes on God will motivate you to take on the challenges of the upcoming year, especially those challenges that have knocked you down before. I think sometimes we take on new challenges okay. We'll seek counsel, we'll we'll figure it out. But those ones that have knocked you down repeatedly, and then again, and it seemed like you, you figured it out and you had victory for a while, And then you get knocked down again. The devil knows those things. And Joshua and Caleb, they looked at the promised land as not an obstacle, but a place of opportunity. Joshua and Caleb looked at this land as a place to see what God could do. About 90 years ago, somebody had an idea for a way to get Bible teaching and to get the gospel message spread to more people. And that's how WMPC started. As the church started broadcasting over the radio station, and the church services went out, and that led to more teaching and preaching programs, and people singing and ministering, and this wonderful thing that was taking place so long ago, back before radio was even popular. And we look at that ministry, and if you look at it today, we have a share every spring, a big share and if you look at that, and if you compare it to other radio stations, other share that are taking place, something that you'll find if you're paying attention, if you're looking, is on other radio stations, when they have their big fundraiser, you'll hear a donation from a person in Arizona. Then you'll hear a donation from a person in Mississippi. And they've got all these markets that they are broadcasting to that they're able to draw from to pay for their radio station. And it would cause you to scratch your head because this little local radio station, yes, we're over the internet, but mainly we draw from this one small area. And it's continued on the air. And if you look at your calendar and go back about a decade... And look at how this area specifically was hit, how the economy was hit about a decade ago. And some individuals would say, well, those nonprofits, a lot of them are going to be wiped out. They're going to take such a huge hit. And WMPC was not wiped out. We still have that ministry. How, How do we explain these things? 
you know, you might be able to write some things down while we saw this and we saw this big donation and we saw this nice time that happened here. But can I go ahead and give what I think? Can I tell you how I would explain it? If God is in something, it cannot be stopped. You need to understand that. If God is wanting something to go, and by the way, God's church is his plan until Jesus Christ comes back. If God is in something, it cannot be stopped. And let me go ahead and ask the follow-up question. Doesn't that sound like something you want to be a part of? Something that cannot be stopped? If God is for us, who can be against us? I would rather try and fail than have never tried at all. And what we need with individuals as we use our creativity and as we move forward for the gospel and to do what God wants us to do, what we need is to have room to fail and to have room to get back up, to keep on attempting things that really matter. You know, the upcoming year is going to hold different challenges for us. But you need to look at it in a unique way because even if you have failed in the past, you need to understand that you're looking at it now with a different set of eyes than even you had last year at this time. Why did this first group fail in the book of Numbers here? They focused their attention on the obstacles instead of their objective. The people who dwell in the land, verse 28 says, are strong and their cities are fortified and very large. They only saw the problem and not the faithfulness of their God. Look in chapter 14 and verse 2. All the people of Israel mumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in the wilderness. Verse 3 says, Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? What were they thinking? Back to slavery? But I want to suggest to us that there are some Christians that live in this way. At the first sign of defeat they collapse let me, let me give us one more illustration when Gideon was obeying God and Gideon was putting together the army God came to him and gave some tests and one of the tests said this I'm paraphrasing here but he said I want you to go to anybody who's afraid to fight and tell them they can go home if you are afraid go ahead and go home and there were multiple tests but here's the end result. They started with 10,000 and they ended up with 300 soldiers. From 10,000 to 300. Why is this important? It's important for this reason because God can do more with 300 committed individuals that know him and are walking in faith than with 10,000 half-hearted followers. And he wants you to walk with that incredible faith. And I want to encourage you today to not be a half-hearted follower of God. Don't worry about the lack of commitment in the past. Come to God when you face your mountain. Verse number 9 of chapter 14 says, Only do not rebel against the Lord. There's a key part here. You can get your pen out if you want. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred to us. I love that wording. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord, here it is, the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I think that is one of the sweetest phrases that we find all throughout the scriptures, from the Old Testament through the New. The Lord is with us. Jesus said, behold, I will be with you. 
and those original Israelites, they did not want to listen to God. So what did God do? What was the result here? God said, you go take some laps in the wilderness. Some of you played sports years ago. Sometimes you got punished in this way, right? If you didn't make your free throw or you weren't trying hard, you got told to go take some laps. Well, they go and take some laps in the wilderness for 40 years. But I don't want you to miss this. Don't miss this. It was a self-imposed wilderness. You understand that? It was self-imposed. This is huge for us. And this is a picture of a lot of Christians taking the same route, giving in to the power of this world, giving in to temptation, always struggling. Listen, you do not have to struggle in the wilderness. That's not the idea. God didn't just save us and then say, hang on for dear life until Jesus comes back. That's not what he did. He wants us to live in victory. All right, uh, turn over to Joshua chapter 14 and we'll close. Joshua chapter 14. Hopefully you're holding your place there. I'll start reading in verse number seven. Joshua 14, starting in verse seven, says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and for your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said. There it is again, just as he said. These 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke with this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day, he says, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the, the, the day Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now, look at this, give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the, the Anakim were there with the fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Can you imagine him there? 85 years old, pointing at that hill, that, hill, that bony arm going up there, pointing at that hill country. Give me that mountain do you understand that God is bigger than the mountain that you're going to face? If you look at these obstacles with faith, God is going to do something beautiful for you, claiming the promises that God has already given. All right, let's go ahead and close. I said we'd come back to these. What can you do? That first challenge was to get to know God's word better. I know. I don't have, you know, I'm not psychic or anything, but I know for a fact that many of you have made some kind of a commitment to know God's word better in the upcoming months. And I know some of you have failed in that commitment. It's not spooky or anything. I just know because I've been there myself. You need to make a commitment to knowing God's word better. I want to encourage you to be creative with this. The daily bread uh, the church here buys, we distribute them out. It's got a great Bible reading schedule in it, a great devotional. Maybe that's something that will help you. How many of you here use the daily bread? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, put them down. Thank you. It's a wonderful tool, but there are many tools. You need to know your personality. 
um, there's a Bible uh, radio program that offers a go through the Bible in uh, four times a year. So you go through the Bible in just three months. And I think to myself, my goodness, that is a commitment. But I think they've tuned into something. They know some people can't really last more than, you know, a fourth of a year without their commitment giving out sometimes. So they've made this special program. I, I pulled up some resources here. These are all things that I've used. Some people like the same thing every day. Maybe you're that way. Some of us get distracted easily or we need something new. I've used this. I buy these for $5. They say $20 on the back. Some of you um, have some of these. I bought them for 5 bucks and given them to you. It goes through uh, the scriptures. And it's not the complete scriptures, but it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, way to study God's word. That's a great one. This is the Bible on CD. If you've got a phone with you, you can go on the phone and just click on that and listen to it. That helps me specifically when it comes to some of those tougher passages. Some of you have a, a favorite speaker, David Jeremiah. He has a devotional guide. These are all tools that you can use to be in God's word. I found this one just in the past few days. I wanted a chronological Bible for our study, and it's a one-year chronological Bible. You can read through the entire Bible in one year. And so like when you're going through Acts, it plugs right in where he wrote 1 Thessalonians, and it's a beautiful thing. So use your creativity when it comes to um, the upcoming year and getting to know God's word better, all right? And then number two, stir up someone. I'm out of time, but I'm completely con convinced that this is the plan for God's church, that you are going to have some kind, you know, don't cross the Holy Spirit out of this. You're gonna be needing to look at someone who you can stretch, who you can encourage in some way. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how to stir up one another. And then we've got to go ahead and close. Number three here, getting victory over a sin. And I've got all kinds of notes to talk about this. But I know some of you are just dreading a temptation that's coming up. I know it. And I know that you feel like it's gonna keep you from having a wonderful year. I referenced Romans chapter 6 earlier, and the idea there in Romans 6 isn't the idea that we're never going to sin again in this present world. That's not the idea. But the idea is that we recognize that we have an advocate. We recognize that Jesus is with us, and as that love for Jesus Christ grows, we're going to want to please him more and more with our life as he has to stand there next to us as we stand before God the Father when we do fall. And then finally, expanding your walk with Jesus Christ to a deeper commitment to his church. And I guess if I'm gonna practice what I preach, I've gotta say we're out of time now. I can't expend a whole lot on this. But I do want to encourage you that very possibly some of you could be more involved in something. Whether it be a ministry, whether it be giving more. The first announcement Greg gave was is you can get your uh, giving statement if you like. Giving statement's always interesting. You can look at it and you can see every penny that you were given that we recorded to the church. I don't push hard on giving, but I will tell you this. I think that some people can give a little more. I think that you can give some things and if you are walking by faith and saying you're gonna trust God and trust God's church to use these funds, to use these ministries in the best possible way, that is a sweet place for you to be. You'll rarely hear me saying much about giving, but I want to encourage some of you. We're gonna have a membership class, and maybe that whole topic of membership is sensitive for some, but in March, if you would like to join, we're gonna teach a little bit more about Calvary and about what you can do, but get involved in some way because I want you to be completely bought in 
to God's plan. And then you need to be intentional about this, all right? So I'll close with this illustration. You need to be intentional about this. When you're going to do something, make yourself accountable to somebody or write it down. Do something that is going to be very specific and intentional because what's going to happen is if you clear out an area in your life for Bible study or for um, building into someone, if you clear out that area of your life, what happens is, is oftentimes it can get filled very easily with something else. And I'll give you this illustration. Maybe some can connect with this. Have you ever had a table in your house or in a workplace that you've cleared off and you've wanted it to stay clear? So you pass by it all the time. You don't want anything on that table or on that shelf or something like that. You want it to be clear. Maybe there's something decorative on it. And when you clear that off, what happens just within a few days or a few weeks oftentimes? You just walk by it and what do you do? You just start to put stuff on it, right? Wait a minute. I had it cleared off, had it perfect, had the plan. You walk by, you'll throw your keys on there, you'll throw something on your to-do list on there, you'll fill that right up. The exact same thing will, thing will happen with you when it comes to one of these areas. You clear a day on your calendar or you clear a time in your schedule and very quickly the devil will tell you, and by the way, the devil will not tell you I want you to do something that's sin in that time frame. He never does that, Hardly. Usually the devil will come to you and say, here's something good. You need to put this instead in there. Something good is so often what knocks us off of that commitment that we were going to make. You and I, I hope you're looking for a wonderful 2017. I can say with all honesty, complete transparency. You ready? I think it's going to be an incredible 2017. I cannot wait for the days ahead the upcoming weeks, the individuals that are going to get baptized in this baptismal tank right back here, the individuals that are going to come to Christ, the ones that are going to grow, some of you that are going to say, I remember when you encouraged us to look for someone that we could encourage, that we could lift up and pick up, and we're going to see somebody producing incredible fruit, and it's because the way that God works is he takes you, and he takes me, and he has us encourage someone Honestly, I don't know where the ceiling is on 2017. How high is it going to go? How wonderful is it going to be? And I say I don't know how high the, how high the ceiling is is because we have our God, and he is with us. And it's going to be an incredible year as you walk by faith and obey him and serve our God. Let's pray. Oh, merciful Father, patient Father, as I know from the theme of this message, I will come to you and I will know my shortcomings and my failures of the past. And I think the devil and all of his demons, I think they're paying close attention. And I think if nothing good is getting done, they're content to leave us alone, Father. But I know very well that wonderful things are going to come from your people here in this place. And so I know that those demons are going to be busy working overtime causing us to doubt, causing us to fear. God, I thank you for the wonderful blessing that we do not go through these things alone, the promise of the Holy Spirit with us and the promise of God's people, brothers and sisters. Maybe even right now, someone won't even know the blessing that another will be to them over the upcoming months. But how wonderful to see that eternal fruit that we can walk in this world and make a wonderful difference. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm gonna ask Anna just to play through just a few notes I'm not going to get real specific I just want her to play through and I want you to pray 
I'm going to ask you to pray right now, whatever God's doing in your heart, how he's working on you. Talk to your God at this time. Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. You're not a follower of Jesus. You've not given your life to him. Can I invite you to make today the day of your salvation? It's going to be a great year. What a memorable day, the first day of 2017. Maybe you can pray and seek after God right now. Ask him to forgive you. Maybe you've got a prodigal daughter or a prodigal son that's away. Pray for them now. Amen, amen. Would you stand together? Tim's gonna lead us in a closing song.